Today's discussion is centered on another intellectual hero of mine, Charlie Munger. From him, I learned business morality and that I should deliver to the world products and services that I'd like to buy myself. This is closely linked to the golden rule, where you should always treat other people how yourself would opt to be treated. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM. Joining us on the line from Hong Kong, because it's 10 o'clock in the morning here, our marketing maestro, Stephen Barnes. How are you doing, Captain? Hello, young man. How are you? Very good. And you? Uh, no complaints from me, although uh, I'm acquiring a location this week compared to uh, previous weeks. Um, so hopefully I'll get a much better um, command of my um, dulcet tones rather than the banging in the background being the cacophony of Hong Kong um, uh, and all the good stuff that has, that has to offer the world. Can you go back and say the same thing that you said at the beginning? Hello, young man. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, someone, some, some, someone's got to do it, Jason. Someone Absolutely. You, one, one amongst you. Uh, now, I know we're going to be chatting a little bit about one of your intellectual heroes today, um, the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, and none other than Charlie Munger. The venerable Mr. Charles T. Munger, the in actual one. fact. Yes. Now, now before, we mm-hmm. get, before we get started on that, I was chatting to our business guru, Warren Hill, on Monday. Um, I'd seen something interesting on Facebook. And I wanted to get your take on it, um, given that um, you're big on social marketing and um, your beliefs in the in the connection economy, et cetera, and how we are social beings. Um, the thing that I found um, quite disturbing, if you do use Facebook uh, book to advertise, is Mark Zuckerberg saying that um, he's going to change Facebook again to so to show you more posts from your friends and less from publishers and businesses. Do you think that this is something that's going to negatively uh, affect advertising on Facebook? Um, well, I don't know it's going to neg- negatively affect advertising because, you know, Facebook have mapped the social graph. So any advertiser who wants to pop a message in front of a particular profiled individual will be able to do so, notwithstanding the fact that um, Facebook have decided to change the uh, way that their algorithm works uh, on a sort of organic free flow basis to Mm. kind of allow the news feed of individuals to kind of reflect what those individuals might hope to see. Mm. As you know, in previous uh, previous months and years, um, we've had a lot of um, sort of news articles and stuff that you think, well, you know, how did that get to me? Mm. It's not a sponsored article. Um, it's uh, that sort of extra organic piece that if you pay money with Facebook for to um, drive targeted messaging into, you know, profiled individuals, not only do Facebook give you the opportunity to sort of drop it, drop um, your um, missives into targeted profile types. Mm. Uh, they actually give you wider sort of hit and miss organic reach, mm. whereas your organic reach might be two or three percent of your follower um, of your followers uh, without paying to play. When you pay to play, you get all the uh, targeted um, uh, efforts 
put into uh, put into your proposition. But you also get a wider sort of you know hit and miss type, drop it in front of people on an off type basis. Perhaps it might be interesting. So that's that sort of expanded organic reach that they give you. Okay. So uh, from from an advertiser's perspective, it doesn't really make that much difference. From a consumer's perspective, I think what Facebook have done is right. Um, uh, we have to recognize that you know Facebook represents a leading source of information that people consume these days and Facebook have a responsibility as we've seen with uh, with the Russia Trump shenanigans that mm. there is potential plenty of potential for that to be to be misused and abused so Facebook know that their relevance ultimately is driven by the uh, value that they deliver to their consumer base and if that consumer base begins to get fed up with it for any reason or another they will uh, they'll migrate off so all self-serving on Facebook's part notwithstanding their motivations for it and the publicly stated motivations for it but I think it's part and parcel of the evolution of these social platforms they have to be relevant and meaningful for the for the users and if for one reason or other that uh, meaning uh, or usefulness is derogated then people will migrate away and Facebook see uh, total time on app on site that uh, as being the the key to success and when sure. they can um, understand that people are going to spend less time on there as I have been doing recent months notwithstanding mm-hmm. the fact that we, you know, we're decent advertisers on it personally I don't spend that much time on it because I just felt that the stuff that I was getting was just dross in the main well, I'm happy to hear from friends but the, 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 non, the non-source stuff was, um, was pretty drossful well, a word. yeah well, but that's I- what I felt a couple of the points in the article that I that I thought were relevant were it's changing its news feed to prioritize posts from friends and family, showing fewer posts from publishers and businesses. Uh, Zuckerberg explained that a focus for the company in 2018 is making sure the time people spend on Facebook is time well spent. So that goes exactly to what you've just said. Um, and he said that Facebook users are complaining that public content is crowding out personal moments. Um, so, and as Facebook make these updates, pages may see their reach, their video watch, uh, time and referral traffic decrease. Now, obviously Facebook is a social platform that people get to see news from their friends, but the, uh, monetized side of Facebook is all about the advertising. So I'm very sure they're not going to cut their noses off despite their face. But if as an advertiser, I'm getting less reach and I'm paying the same amount of money, it becomes less valuable to me. No, I think you're still going to get the same sort of reach because of the targeted aspects. You're still going to okay. pop this stuff into, uh, you know, like in our in our instance, you could you, you we we simply don't have there isn't enough money in the bank uh, in Hong Kong to be able to pay Facebook to put our message in front of every single Facebook user. So hmm. yeah, you know that, that that's against a particular profile. So so you're always going to be able to address the audience that you do want to address. The um, the main the main thing I think that Facebook needs to be worried about is um, yeah prioritize moments from your family and friends uh-huh. but you know when when I look at uh, you know my pool of family and friends there's five percent ten percent of what my family and friends are posting is intrinsically interesting you know aha hoo hoo I'm glad I learned that mm. the rest is just you know sort of flotsam and jetsam and sort of, you know, is neither here nor there. Certainly not enough reason to for me to spend more time on Facebook 
because I know that stuff's coming at me. Mm. Um, so I think I think Facebook have still got their work cut out in staying truly relevant because uh, the one thing that Facebook and everybody else faces uh, in the connection economy is that it's all about attention. And uh, if what you are uh, propagating doesn't command the attention of the people that you want to command, they're not going to stick around and, uh, and be ready to receive you know, the advertisements that you're popping in front mm. of them. So in my case, if 90% of the stuff that comes from my family is you know, curiously interesting, but ultimately not that important, then I don't really need to see it. And it's not a compelling reason for me to be on Facebook. So the reason why I stick on Facebook is because it's such an important part of our social media outreach and content amplification strategy. But secondary, it's a place where family and friends, you know, do hang out and can contact me. And for that reason, I will never cancel my Facebook account. But am I enamored with what it delivers to me at the moment? Hmm. Not that much. Okay. Um, now, if you have a look at the likes of uh, Berkshire Hathaway and their vast companies that they own, now I know you, you you appreciate them for their intellectual prowess. Would you that would you say that they are part of the connection economy or the old industrial economy? They are uh, absolutely wired into the industrial economy. But the thing about Berkshire Hathaway is that they have such a huge commitment to uh, management talent that sort of just run with it uh, and are empowered to make decisions that are all based on uh, on value investing. And, you know, Buffett and Munger have got a formula that they use to determine the type of investments that they make. Mm. Um, and that formula is actually a very simple formula. Uh, and that simple formula will um, drive decisions in the connection economy as it drove decisions in the industrial economy. And the thing about Berkshire Hathaway is that the management talent is so um, is, is so adept that they will not fall into the trap that the vast majority of other industrial type companies do because of the way that the management structures are. Okay. So I've got a, a huge amount of uh, you know faith in uh, in the way that Berkshire Hathaway are, and um, you know Charlie Munger is 94 i think now and um uh, warren buffett is two or three years younger than him so they're not spring chickens so they're not going to be around for much longer but they've um expressed on many occasions in the past their supreme level of confidence that the uh, management structure that they've imbued really from you know the very first some 50 60 years ago um is going to carry the day and allow them to transition out of uh, an industrial economy organized business into ultimately you know sometime down the road what will be a fully fledged connection economy type uh, type type business it's not the industrial economy is not going away overnight it's going to take you know decades for you know the last vestiges of the industrial economy businesses to sort of trickle out and become irrelevant or have their niches converted into a connection economy type operation it's going to take some time so the trick is to have management that are uh, at the helm as you transition from the industrial to the connection and Berkshire Hathaway's management team are so supreme, supremely good at what they do uh, because of the way that uh, it's been configured that uh, no has any concerns that uh, they're going to die a death with the industrial economy and that can't be said for a lot of businesses that's for sure now what was it about charlie munger um that uh, became applicable in your business and how you approach a strategy for marketing well remember you know 
I've done a lot of uh, a lot of reading, a lot of research over the last six or seven years to sort of culminate in the business model that we've got right now. And each of my four intellectual heroes, together with um, Claire Christensen, another gentleman from Harvard Business School, who's um, impacted the way that I think, they've they've given me streams of sort of you know. Uh, intellectual endeavor to um, muse upon and what Charlie Munger gave me sort of encapsulated sort of into a single sentence I guess is that he taught me business morality um, and business but what I mean by business morality is that like he, he says things like you know you, you want to deliver to the world what you would buy if you were on the other end okay so that's in term, terms of service and product yeah, essentially, when you're thinking about you know embarking on some sort of commercial endeavor mm. that's, that, that's driven by you selling something to someone, then you know just think about what it is that you're doing, and if you are able to deliver what you would want to buy, um, then really you're you know 95% of the way there to success, right? Mm. Assuming that you've done the thinking and that you've put together uh, something that's inherently attractive, given you know the conclusion that you've arrived at, that you do want to deliver to the world what you'd buy if you're on the other end. And another a sort of a facet of that, I suppose, is um, in, is in sort of preparing your thinking uh, about constructing your business proposition is is the golden rule, which is another um, well, it's a universal theme, but um, Charlie Munger, you know, certainly um, reflects on it in his various sort of writings and, uh, and speeches. Uh, and that is, you know, to treat other people in the same way you, you yourself would hope to be treated. Mm. Um, there are, there, you know, there are certain commentators that have been, um, let's say, a little bit nitpicky about what that means and they've moved it on and said well no it's not the golden rule really it's, it should be the platinum rule uh, and the platinum rule is, is not so much treat other people in the same way that you want to be treated but you treat people in the way that you know they would want to be treated mm. which is a variation on the theme but at the end sure. of the day it all amounts to the same thing right mm. uh, and that is doing something that that, it, that, it, that is that is in favor of, you, of the other party rather than being self-serving uh, mm. at the point of delivery there's another notion to that and that's the double platinum rule the, <laughs> yeah you know okay yeah. and the double platinum rule is is to to treat other people in the way that uh they don't know that they would would be delighted to be treated um and an example of that for for instance is um uh, in the way that our business unfolds, you know, the overwhelming majority of our business comes via the internet. And by the time people have arrived into Sears, they've they've consumed our internet proposition and they've come across the double your money back guarantee that we give because we only take on clients that we can get approved and we put our money where our mouths is and we invest in our clients when we take on a set of instructions. Mm. But um uh, sometimes I find myself in a meeting with a client and, and it's been through a word of mouth referral and they haven't actually been on our websites. Mm. So, you know, they've come in to see us with a problem uh, and we've, we've been personally sort of, you know, introduced so they're comfortable with what we're all about. Social proof has worked in our favor because of the personal introduction. We've gone through the strategy session. I've looked at them and said, yes, actually, uh, Based on everything that you've told me and what I believe, you know, is going to be out, the outcome is going to be, we can get this visa for you. Uh, by the way, um, not only can we get the visa for you, but we will give you double your money back. 
if we don't get the visa for you. And, you know, for half of the people that we have our initial sort of client engagement conversations with, that comes as a complete surprise to them. So, you know, there you might have uh, an instance, for example, of the platinum rule, the double platinum rule in play. Hmm. But, but you know, these are just these are just broad ideas that are all predicated on the idea that, you know, really what you need to do when you're dealing with people and understanding how you should treat them, just invert things. Say, you know, if you were on the receiving end of this, what would that encounter, what would you hope to, that encounter to be like? Uh, and if you follow that rule, um, you can't go wrong because, you know, you're, you're dealing with people on the basis of, uh, of respect and trust and, um, uh, and, and you don't have any agendas. They are just delighted by the way that you've um you know sort of come into their life and help them or helping them achieve what they're um uh, or what they've come come to see you to uh to to, to achieve now, so I've, you know the, mm-hmm, sorry, I've, yeah. I've experienced that in three different forms recently i i work with a, a a small local hotel um and i've had two interactions with other hotels in the area recently now um the hotel that I work with is uh, operated by a woman that runs the hotel in a way that she's experienced good hotels traveling around the world. So it's a personal investment in making sure that the experience that a guest receives is as she would expect it if she was traveling anywhere in the world. So for her, it's a very personal delivery based on her own expectation as a guest. Uh, which I think yeah. is probably the best way to be a hotelier of all of them. Um, and then I had uh, run-ins with two other hoteliers who are completely commercially orientated. Uh, and I had a bit of a rant about one of them um, last week uh, in that, uh, you know, that they have no no regard of local custom or or, or, or just doing things in a hospitable way. So, you know, mm. that Charlie Munger principle is is evident in the way one person runs their business and completely evident that it's not there in the other two. And definitely I know which one is more favorable. And isn't that so interesting, right? Because in the final analysis, it boils down to decisions that you make, right? Mm. You can either do it the crap way or you can do it, you know, the good way. Mm. So why do it the crap way? That's just making life difficult for yourself. Do it the good way. You know, and ultimately, this is sort of what I, I couch as Charlie Munger teaching me business morality because it falls within, you know, a, a set of, of, of moral principles, I believe, that, that are just going to serve your interests, you know, magnifold times. Mm. Um, you know, if you, uh, if, if you just, you know, adopt what's really better for the other person and, as I say, deliver to the world of what you'd buy if, if kind of you were on the other end. Mm. So those are two, two sort of two elements of Charlie Munger's sort of influence on me. Third one is something that I learned a long time ago, but it was just reinforced really when when Charlie Munger, uh, when I came across materials that Charlie Munger's uh, intimated that this is what the game's all about. And that is, you know, to do one thing and do it better than everybody else. If you do one thing and do it better than everybody else, you're guaranteed to be, guaranteed to be successful. Mm. So stick to your knitting. Now, you know, um, I've had a 25-year odyssey of, uh, of uh, not doing one thing well. Um, I did lots and lots and lots of things. Did them reasonably well, uh, but unfortunately never made any money out of them, and it was almost the death of me financially. So um, sticking to your knitting is what it's all about, I believe, and, you know, Charlie Munger uh, has laid that out quite clearly, and uh, and it served my interests tremendously. Now, what would you say, um, what yeah. would you say your knitting is now? My, sorry, my what thing is now? What, my, is, what is your knitting now? 
I know, I know the 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 the, uh, the financial aspect is is visas, but the real big picture is marketing. Intel, it's intelligent content marketing. That's mm. right, because intelligent content marketing is a kind of a, a marketing operating system. It's a series of ideas. It's a a collection of uh, applied technologies that are cheap and available and within everybody's grasp uh, and a way of viewing what's going on as we transition from the industrial to the connection. Uh, and uh, all of that is just sort of, you know, virgin territory for the application of, of new thinking and, uh, and new ways of of doing things, disaggregating value, reaggregating value. So, um, yeah, my, um, my, my, my knitting right now, given that I've been doing immigration for 25 years, and frankly, I can do it in my sleep, um, um, my knitting now, is, if you will, is, is really just to, to, to keep on um, on top of this intelligent content marketing idea and uh, and share share the ideas. Seth Golding says that you know ideas that spread win, and I think intelligent content marketing uh, in our hands has proven to be a winning idea. So um, the intention is to give all that IP away completely for free, mm-hmm. so that uh, others can, um, can can share and benefit from it, and we will uh, we will win uh, because uh, it's our idea. Now, I, um, I had a look online and I found um, some of Charlie Munger's quotes. Uh, some of them are actually yeah. brilliant. Invest in a business that any fool can run. I really, yeah, I really well, like it. that. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. And most, most, unfortunately, most businesses are just overly, they're overly complicated and they're made overly complicated because of the, the needs of management to justify their existence in the first place. Mm. Now, going back to what you said a little earlier, stick to your knitting. Another good one is do what you like and are good at. And he follows that up. You'll do better if you have a passion for something in which you have an aptitude. If Warren Buffett had gone into ballet, nobody would have heard of him. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. That's completely true. true. Yeah, which is which I think I think drives drives partial the decision to stick into your knitting because because mm. it's easy to stick to your knitting if you're really good at something, uh, and we're all we're all good at one thing, right? That's the reality. And uh, the, the the trick in business is if if you're oriented towards business, is to identify that what what that one thing is, and then construct your proposition around you being able to deliver on that one thing, uh, and making sure that you deliver it in a way that the customer finds it seamless to receive it from you. He seems to say um, the same thing in in couching it in a few different ways. It's crazy for an expert to diversify. Again, sticking to your knitting. Yeah? Well, welcome to my world, right? You know, what's Hong Kong and what's Hong Kong's immigration expert doing investing in companies that uh, are designed to solve dysfunctional uterine bleeding from women who suffer from it between the age of 39 to 54, right? I spent four or five years and a significant amount of money investing into that space. And similarly, I spent one and a half million Australian dollars of mine and other people's money on a on a software solution to the problem of email management in the workplace. Well, what's any of that got to do with Hong Kong immigration? Mm. So, uh, you know, I've had my moments in the in the non-immigration sun, and uh, it's as a result of focusing on immigration the last six or seven years that we've been able to acquire the expertise in this thing called intelligent content marketing. Mm. Um, and also, Charlie Munger talks about knowing the edge of your, your own competency. So as long as you know the edge of your own competency, you operate within the remit of your own competency, uh, you're not going to get into any trouble. 
Mm. Um, if you go outside of your mid of your own competency, as I did on three separate occasions previously, uh, you're going to end up with your proverbial ass in a sling. And uh, I learned that much to my cost. Um, so, yeah, uh, sitting to my knitting is what it's really all about now. Um, two, two, but, I'm, but I'm knitting two jumpers. I'm knitting the immigration, Hong Kong immigration jumper. And I'm knitting the um, the sweater uh, of intelligent content marketing. Uh, there were there were a couple which I when I read them I um, I, I thought about you in particular actually um, the uh, one about books the great the greatest minds are in books not classrooms. Now I know you did a lot of a lot of reading before you you set on the path that you're on now, um, and obviously having these intellectual heroes, you've you've taken it from uh, from books, not from a classroom. Well, right. And, you know, Charlie Mung, one of Charlie Munger's philosophies also is lifelong learning. Uh, and, you know, he talks about Warren Buffett being even now in his late 80s, just a learning machine. And that's all he does is read for hour, hour, hour after hour after hour. Uh, he calls lifelong learning a moral duty. And, and as I've gotten older, I've come to understand, you know, the wisdom in that. Um, so yeah, lifelong learning. Uh, if you're constantly learning, you're constantly improving. You've always got an edge on the people that are not invested in lifelong learning. So why wouldn't you do it? Mm. You know, you're going to engage your mind intellectually in various things, and it can just be, you know, um, movies and not get anything out of that. I prefer not to watch movies. Not that I've got anything against movies. I'd much rather watch a TED talk or, um, you know, something that's intrinsically interesting for me, so that I can I can pick something up and learn from from that. Mm. I think when you are exposed to a book or a, a, a short video or a long video or a documentary or whatever it is, there's always at least one thing that you can take away from that exposure. Mm. And if you just focus on the one thing and then add that to your repertoire of skills and, and, then, and then draw down on that whenever you need to in the future. Well, you know, if you spend as much time as I do, you know, watching other stuff and being exposed to other stuff and picking up, you know, one tip or one trick or one particular um, nugget that's going to help you achieve objectives going forward, um, why not add them to your repertoire and, uh, and, and, and let that build up over time? And, sure. you know, Buffett and, uh, and Munger talk about compounding interest. That's part, an integral part of the value, uh, value investing proposition. Well, you know, the same sort of approach can be said to lifelong learning. You know, if you, if you pick one new nugget, nugget up every single day from the various research and watchings that you're doing, um, after 365 days, you've you've now got 365 new things in your favour. Mm. After 10 years, that's 3,650 things that you've got in your favour. So pretty soon, you know, it doesn't take you very long to get uh, a broad skill set that is is going to serve your interest tremendously well just by focusing on lifelong learning and just determining that you're going to you're going to pick up and retain one simple thing from every sort of learning experience that you have. That that's been my philosophy. Um, okay. In terms of lifelong learning and it served me it served me really well now i've just i've just got a question uh on whatsapp from somebody to say uh competency absolutely but what do you believe um is important about intellectual capacity uh well it's a knowing your market right it's about knowing your market it's about having an, an, an intuitive sense of of what value you can deliver into that marketplace uh, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to uh, 
put together a proposition that's going to resonate. You just need to understand what the other person's all about. Mm. Um, And then, uh, again, intellectual capacity, does that mean that you don't have it from the get-go or you've never acquired it, but you've got the capability? Mm. Um, I think everybody's got the ability to improve their intellectual capabilities just by taking an interest in stuff that's going to benefit them, uh, apply the ideas that I've been talking about with you these last few weeks, um, and deliver something new, interesting, and remarkable to the party that they want to have a commercial relationship with. Don't think you need to be uh, Einstein to come up with that kind of stuff. I'm not that bright when all is said and done. Um, so and I always say somewhat, you know, quite quite seriously, if I can do it, seriously, anybody can do it. So I don't think brain power is massively important. I think if you are, if you're intrigued enough to turn your attention to uh, the kind of stuff that I'm talking about right now, um, and you've got the entrepreneurial sort of nous to you know want to commercialize the kind of stuff that I'm talking about, no matter how smart you are, just the mere fact that you're, you're you're intrigued enough to want to be able to take advantage of this stuff that gives you the brain power you need mm. to uh, to go about delivering on it. In my view, one of the other quotes that I also enjoyed was overestimating your intelligence could be a major pitfall. Uh, he says, yeah. if you think your IQ is 160, but it's 150, you're a disaster. It's much better Indeed. to have a 130 IQ and say it's 120. I think he should be phoning somebody in charge of the White House, actually. <laughs> That's just- well, I mean, well, I look, I, yeah, I, yeah, it's Charlie Munger. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. But you know what? The other thing that Charlie Munger also says is part of that, which has taught me everything, really. And that is, it's what you don't know that always gets you in the end. Mm. You never know what's coming up the elevator. It's what you don't know that always gets you. And invariably, you think that you've got a handle on something. And then for one reason or another, there was one oversight or there was one dynamic in the market or there was one conversation that you were not privy to or there was one piece of news that slipped over your head or you were just, you know, subject to the typical foils of human mis- foibles of human misjudgment uh, and not having addressed your mind to, you know, the kind of potentials that are out there to come and sort of unravel you. Um, that, in a sense, state of ignorance by not turning your attention to those things and learning about the stuff that could be your undoing um, is ultimately, as Charlie Munger says, it's what you don't know that gets you, that always gets you in the end. Hmm. Well, thank you very much, Stephen. As always, brilliant to chat to you. We'll catch up again next Friday, same time. Who's lined up? for next week well we've covered um kevin kelly and seth godin and we've just um spoken to spoke you know, spoken uh, about um mr munger mm. i think uh the fourth intellectual hero that we need to deal with next week is uh don tapscott fantastic we'll catch up then and you have an awesome weekend digital bacon fm i hope you've found charlie munger as fascinating and wise as we did On our next podcast episode, we discuss the thoughts and observations of Don Tapscott and the importance of disaggregating and re-aggregating value.